All right, Rams Nation, super excited about our next guest here. We've got Matt Williamson. He is from Locked On NFL here on the network. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today, bud? I am fantastic, Brad. How are you doing? I mean, today was, uh, on the side, for people who don't know, I, I worked for Steelers Nation Radio, and we just finished our second week of broadcast TAs down there. That's a blast. You know, we sat right next to the field, watch practice, interview players as they come on and off. And I've been doing my Locked On NFL podcast five days a week, too. So I urge everyone to check it out. And it's fun to do a joint show with you. Awesome. Much appreciated. Where they, where can they find you on the website and uh, on Twitter as well? Yeah, I am at Williamson NFL. have a pretty good following there. And I started my own website about two months or so ago that I think is very worth your time. That's WilliamsonFootball.com. Awesome, awesome. What's your favorite takeaway so far from being down at Steelers camp so far? Any, any, anything coming out of there that uh, us out in the West Coast might have missed? Um, not a lot. I mean, Ben and AB haven't been there all that much. Uh, Lev Bell hasn't been there at all. But for those people, for people who don't know, and I'm, maybe we'll get into Aaron Donald, who actually uh, is from the the same building. You know, I used to do. I was a Pitt for three years when you know, right before Donald was there. So all the pit kids are out there watching it, you know, OTAs, you know, Donald, I know has not been involved at Rams practice. It, it's not that big a deal. I mean, now's the time of year that everyone likes to overreact. And why aren't these guys at camp? The reality is, you know, Ben not being there is good for Mason Rudolph and Dobbs and Landry Jones. You know I mean? Uh, the young guys need the reps right now. Yeah. And you went right into it. That was one of my first Rams uh, camp questions was, you know, is it a big deal or not? Because us here on the podcast, me and my co-host James, who kick it around every once in a while, are basically saying, listen, we've heard how Les Need is preaching it, and Sean McVay, they've said they've had much better communication than they did last year, and that we expect a deal to get done. So him not having a deal right now is, uh, in my eyes, not a big deal. But for Rams Nation, who just want to see him involved with the team and and around, you know, the rest of the guys and, and Dominic and Sue, who, you know, they want to see some chemistry build and things like that. You're telling us you're on this side. No big deal at this point. No, I really don't think so. Well, at least in terms of making Sue and Donald better players or sharper or anything like that. No, I mean, and there is a chance of injury. I mean, two guys, the Steelers yesterday right in front of us went down and they could be out for the year. I mean, we saw what happened to Hunter Henry. Um, I do think, you know, for example, I'm, I'm going to keep using Steeler references because I've been down there. Cam Hayward's their best defensive lineman, and he's their defensive leader. He hasn't been practicing, but he's there, and his presence is felt in a big way. So if Donald and Sue were walking around and helping the younger guys out, and that would help the team. But the reality is it's a good business decision for them not to. It makes a lot of sense. And these are voluntary. Yeah. Exactly. You, you nailed it. And I think that's kind of what, uh, again, coach is trying to express. He always says, you know, we want them involved when they can, but they're voluntary. And if anyone has social media, I'm sure they've seen a few of the Aaron Donald videos that have gone around of him working out, you know, like you mentioned out at Pitt. Uh, and the man doesn't play around when he's getting ready for a season. So still, no. still feel pretty good about him coming into uh, camp because we do hope that they can get it figured out by camp time. But uh, that he won't miss any of those days because those are kind of when you're starting to get close to the season and, and we want to get those guys in. He missed all of camp last year, uh, even missed a game, so we want to get him in a little bit earlier. But I'm still on a very, very low 
uh, meter as far as worried right now. Um, one of the, the, the one of the no meters... one sits out during the year. I mean, nobody gives up. I'm sure you've gone over this, but I just want to make sure that yeah. everyone out there knows this: that NFL players get paid every Monday. You know, during the season, they get a, they get a, if you're making 16 million a year, you get a million dollar check on Monday. You know, I mean, it's you get 16 basic payments for your contract throughout the year. If you skip week one of the season, you don't get one of those. You yeah. know, you don't get it's not like all these other people's jobs, normal people jobs where you get 52 weeks of the year. And if you skip a week, it's one fifty second of your check. No, it's one sixteenth of your check. That's a big deal. That's why no one sits out. And I, I know this isn't what we were talking about, but I am a little worried from a Rams perspective, big picture, contract-wise, when you think that Sue, Donald, you know, Joyner, who's working on a franchise tag, Peters, Brandon Cooks, I mean, all these guys are up at the same time. And how do you get them all paid? I mean, it's going to be a difficult juggling act. And to stay with Donald for one minute, he's not going to like hearing this. And I don't know that Rams fans are going to like hearing it. But he's one of the very few people in the last 10 years or so that is such a good player that franchising him is actually a bargain for the team. In a way, that was kind of true with Lev Bell last year at the Steelers. But, you know, instead of making him one of the highest paid offensive players in the league, you make him the highest paid defensive tackle running back where he's the best defensive player in the world. He wants to get paid like that. But the best move for the Rams is franchise him, franchise him, franchise him because he's worth more than the franchise tag. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And I think me and Rams fans and anyone in the organization get a little bit uh, when we do hear right. that because because we do want to lock him in and we want a happy Aaron Donald because we saw what happened the year before as he kind of had a little bit of a holdout. Uh, obviously, we've used Joyner on this one. so we to, And one defensive player of the year. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, wasn't, yeah, wasn't a bad player. So um, we'd love to see that long-term deal. I think everyone wants to, you know, so many 99 jerseys floating around. Everyone wants to hold on to that one for life. So – uh, really hoping that they can get something done. It's going to be a wow number. It's going to be a breaking sports center, you know, record-breaking type of number. And sure. you, you mentioned it. we got a lot, a lot of people coming up, um, you know, for contract next year. The nice thing is I think we have over $100 million kind of uh, to play with. So we're going to have to make some decisions and, and lean this way or that way on certain players and, and may have to say a couple tough goodbyes. But guys like Brandon Cooks and Tlaib that you mentioned that we brought in and Peter's you know, we brought him in, and we saw what happened last year when we brought in Sammy Watkins for basically a one-year borrow. Not the best of idea or situation, and, and you kind of, as we talk about that chemistry, you don't bring a guy in and then kick him out right away. So we're really hoping that they've got a game plan farther than, you know, us Rams fans out here listening to the podcast can really see in that, you know, Kevin Demoff and, uh, you know, the rest of the crew up there can really get creative with those numbers and make it work. And from all, all talks that are coming out of there, they seem pretty confident. And I think that's another thing that either can weirdly scare somebody or give them confidence like me is these guys sound pretty confident in the front office that they're going to get some stuff done. So I guess with time, time will tell. Uh, one position I want to talk about really quick that has kind of been a, a topic of discussion for the Rams as far as defense goes uh, you know, we talked about the cornerbacks that, you know, we're all really excited about. Joyner holding down that safety position, our, our D-line that, you know, names left and right. 
Uh, but our linebacking area, Mark Barron, really the only guy with experience uh, further than a season or two. Obviously, Corey Littleton is another guy that's getting a lot of uh, talk right now. And then Ibu Kim, who also played some time last year. Uh, does that worry you or, you know, the NFL mind that, uh, you know, there is maybe a question mark at one solid position as far as the linebacking core? Or do you look at the rest of the defense as a whole and say, you know what, we can fill in around that and really make it still work? Yeah, and I assume you're, you're counting the, quote, inside linebackers, the second-level players, as well as the, quote, edge guys, the Correct. outside linebackers yep. in a 3-4. And clearly those are the weakest areas, really, of the whole team. And in my opinion, the only weak areas of the team. But you'd much rather be really, really good up front and in the back as opposed to in the middle. And uh, especially in today's NFL where stopping the pass is king, you know, that I think because, first off, you have a wonderful and all-time great defensive coordinator. You know, that that's absolutely key. Yeah. And I think you can help those linebackers so much by, well, you can either leave Peters, Roby, Tlaib, et cetera, on islands and blitz like crazy and get the ball out of their hands super quick or run blitzes or stack the line of scrimmage. You know, you have the corners to truly leave them on islands, which makes the linebacker's life much, much easier. Or you can do the opposite and drop everybody and still get home with Donald, Sue, and Brockers. You know, I mean, like, you have the best of both worlds stylistically, strategically, schematically, where Phillips is just going to... is He's like the great poker player sitting with all aces in his hand, just going, I can do this any way I want. I mean, if there's a tight end that gives you problems, you leave the corners alone on the receivers and double the, the you know, help your linebackers in coverage with the safety, you know, because you have so, you're so good other places. So I want to, so I want to flip the script real quick and talk since we, last time we talked, it was right before the draft. So obviously the draft has happened. Um, the Rams, we had talked about this same position that we just mentioned about. Linebacker was something that we thought were, they were going to go after a little bit heavier. We went offensive line, uh, basically with first couple picks. And then we started, uh, you know, as we started stockpiling picks, at one point it felt like we were trying to collect every six-round pick that was there. Uh, we ended up moving them around a little bit and got to sneak back up uh, and got some solid players and some edge rushers. Um, but I kind of wanted to get your take on, one, what you thought of the Rams draft uh, for, for last year, and then also uh, how you thought the rest of the NFC West did and maybe how we compared and, and how that would rank out. Yeah, I mean, I think some of this just goes back to how the Rams are built, what's most important to them, and that was very obvious last year. I mean, I, I think we, you and I had this conversation. I've definitely had it with my listeners many times, but... The second they fired Jeff Fisher right. was, you know, all offseason starting from the that, that moment was, let's make Jared Goff's life easier. Let's make Jared Goff's life easier. Let's, sign, let's go trade. Let's get Woods. Let's get Watkins, Whitworth, Sullivan, all those guys. That was the obvious uh, offseason priority a year ago. This year they said, all right, Coach Phillips, we'll get you some three, four pieces. We'll get you your guys now. Thanks for being patient. You had Aaron Donald to help get you through and a couple other studs, but you stuck some round holes and square pegs, but you're a good enough coach and we scored the most points in the league. We all made it work. 
But I don't think they want to ignore their roots of two years ago. And what if Whitworth starts to look old? What if Sullivan starts to look old? So I do think it was a priority to bring in young talent up front. And that's what they started to do originally. You know, no, no boom makes sense, you know, but he's not ready now. So I don't think they want to get away from that. You know, they used, what, three picks on offensive linemen? Mm -hmm. That's not an accident. And one's a pure tackle and one's a center. I mean, again, not an accident. And they also realized this is a very girly-centric offense, too. And I was shocked that Kelly lasted to the sixth round. I thought he was a third, fourth-round type guy. And they need an upgrade at the backup girly spot. And then they took some shots on edge guys. You know, I mean, double O from Oklahoma. I thought he'd go earlier than the fifth round, but he's a little undersized, you know. So I like what they did. I used the card reference before. They had a lot less cards in their hand on draft day than everyone right. else in the league. So, you know, such is life. But you got Brandon Cooks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that. If you include that in the mix, that's not so bad. Exactly, exactly. And, and you mentioned a couple of those guys that slipped. I mean, I remember as the fourth rounds was going and – you know, um, Oboe out of Oklahoma, who's now a little banged up, and we won't probably see him until training camp. Uh, but everyone was thinking, why didn't we pick him up in the fourth? Why didn't we pick him up in the fourth? We end up getting him in yeah. the fifth. John Kelly, you mentioned, uh, got in the sixth. You thought maybe a little bit earlier. I think maybe he had some uh, marijuana charges that ended up coming out after the draft. So I think maybe that was a, a key part of it. But good to see, you know, that we were still able to, you know, make some moves and get some of these guys. Uh, thoughts on the rest of the NFC West then? Did we, did we win the NFC West, or did someone else come and get us? Um, right now, I think the Rams really stand alone in this division. I think Seattle is very much a declining team, a rebuild team. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be the Browns. They're going to be the Russell Wilson version of a rebuild team. But I don't think they're close to a contender. I don't think Arizona is either. But I do think that they will look back at this draft and say, we got our quarterback in 2018. You know, that Rosen was a gift for them for where they got him. Um, the Niners would worry me, but I think the general public thinks the Niners are closer than I do. You know, I think the Niners are a contender a year from now. And I'm a huge Garoppolo fan, and I think they're building that very, very much in the right way. It was just such a massive rebuild that they took over. I mean, they won the absolute worst rosters in the league when Lynch and Shanahan took over, and that wasn't long ago. So to, to build Rome in a day is just asking too much. They're on that path, though, and they're going to be more and more competitive. So when I look at the Rams, I don't worry so much about the West, but the NFC is so much harder than the AFC. You know, I did a power ranks a couple weeks ago, and I'm really high on the Rams, but I had the Eagles and the Saints ahead of them in the conference. And I think the Vikes, the Packers, the Falcons are all in that conversation, too, that there's a lot of really good teams in the NFC. And therefore, you end up with a very difficult schedule. There's not a lot of easy games. And I think it should be noted that the Rams were amongst the healthiest teams in the league last year. That's unlikely to repeat itself. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, the team's coming out of the NFC West, and I'm kind of with you on those Niners as far as everyone's a little overhyped on them. Uh, I, you know, I, it's hard not to be a fan of Jimmy G when you kind of see the way he throws the football, his size, uh, his, you know, connection with Shanahan as far as, you know, having him as the offensive coordinator. A lot of similarities as, as when you look at our team as far as, you know, offensive mind with, with an arm and a quarterback and, you know, putting together exactly. that offense. Um, 
you did a, a pretty awesome breakdown of the NFC West and over-under predictions and where they should go with win totals. So I want to kind of get a little breakdown uh, on where that kind of laid out and you know who you see uh, going over their win total and who you see going under the win total in the NFC West. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull them up right now. I have them here with my power ranks. According to the Vegas lines that I saw, I had the Rams at nine and a half wins. And despite some things I said there about worried about, you know, some some depth issues and some injuries that are bound to come back to roost, I had them going over. And a lot of it starts within the division. You know, I think the Rams will probably be five and one in the West. You know, and if you start if you're if those six games you win five of them, you're probably going to get the double digit wins. Right. Um, you know, as I scan down, San Francisco is only at nine, only a half game difference. And again, I just think that the Jimmy G hype and all that's getting that just little bit ahead of themselves. I, I was pretty firm on the under there. I'd be shocked if they got to 10. I mean, you get to 10 wins to win that bet. I think there's a much better chance they get to eight or less. Um, who are the other two here? We got Arizona at five wins. I was shocked that was that low. And when the, when the, you know, the off season broke, I looked at Arizona and said, this might be the worst offense in the league. You know, right. like this is a right. bad group. They didn't have a quarterback at that point. And now I look at it and say, well, Johnson's coming back. Kirk's in the mix. Larry's still there. They added a couple linemen that if it's not the worst offense in the league and they still have a great defense, which I do think they will, they're going to be hard to play against. I, I can't see them being a four win team. I mean, so I took the over on Arizona and who am I missing here? The Seahawks was an yep. easy one for me because Vegas still has them as an eight-win team. I, I do not see that as a winning organization this year. So Seahawks, uh, you went with the under there. And while we're kind yeah. of on the Seahawks, I'm kind of curious your thoughts as we kind of in the last day or two here uh, heard news of Brandon Marshall joining the Seahawks. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Is that is that something that Seattle could get excited about or any of these, you know, defenses around the league? Is there any type of, you know, juice left in Brandon Marshall to, to be a threat out here? Or is it kind of more just a big body veteran guy and you hope you get, you know, something in the red zone out of him? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. And I was a big fan of his game, but he was never the most dynamic, explosive, great separator, even in his prime. But he was always a very physical, strong, contested catch player, break a tackle or two with the ball in his hands. And I think you need to look at him as being closer to Jimmy Graham than he is to Baldwin or Lockett. You know what I mean? Like their receiving core was really, really weak at the tight end position now and was very small. Like Baldwin, I think, is a great player, but there's no size or physicality, particularly near the red zone. And you watched enough Seattle last year that Graham might be slowing down, but I felt like when they got near the goal line, they could put it up on the scoreboard. Hey, we're throwing to Jimmy Graham, and he's going to come down with it. And Marshall might be 80% of that. I mean, maybe he ends up with five or six touchdowns. Maybe he doesn't even make the team. You know, like I don't think he's a, right. a, a game changer at all. Right. That's kind of where I sit is uh, first hurdle is just making that roster. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. a – it's kind of a big name signing at this point, but it tells you also, as I mentioned yesterday in our podcast, is it tells you a lot about what people think about Des Bryant. I know the price tag is definitely different, um, but is. if you're going to take a risk on this guy and overlook some of the other talent that's out there, it's kind of telling you 
you know, how, where that market's going to play for Des Bryant. It's kind of curious. And I guess I'll leave you with that one last question. Uh, is there a good, you know, uh, team that Des Bryant could catch on with? I know he said no to the Ravens. Obviously, Seattle basically said no to him. Um, do you see him joining up with a team where it's going to make some noise, or is he going to be a, a late add to a team that, you know, doesn't excite anybody? Yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer. And I almost did a podcast today or yesterday saying, let's go through 32 teams, Des or no Des. And maybe I still will do that. It's hard to come up with content this time of year. So yeah. maybe I'll do one just about that. But I would think he doesn't want to go to a rebuild. Right. You know, he doesn't want to go to the Browns or you know a team that really doesn't have a chance. Nor do you want his attitude in your building if you're rebuilding. You know, I mean... So he's not a great fit for a lot of teams. I don't have a great fit off the top of my head. I actually thought Baltimore would be pretty good. And this sounds crazy, and I know it's not going to happen, but the team that needs him the most is the Cowboys. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, they're the team that's the worst receiver in the league. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it, when they released it, it just showed you how much that they were ready to just, you know, remove themselves. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that Amazon series. I of, saw it all. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of start to get it. You know, I know he's, he's a interesting character right. in it, you know, on the field and in the locker room and everything, but you know, there's multiple times where I could, you could just tell the frustration with the coaching staff and they've dealt with it for years. So I think they were just done with that, that project, but going to be an interesting if one. You're going if, to pro bowls. It's fine. But yeah, if you yeah. can't get open anymore, I don't feel like dealing with it. Exactly. And you're expensive, you know, exactly. and you're, you're blocking somebody else and you know, so there you have it. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Well, if you do the, the Des or No Des podcast, I'll be looking for it because I, I, I will find that one pretty interesting to hear your thoughts around the league and, and who would be a good fit and kind of creatively how it would work or how it wouldn't work. Um, but I appreciate your time. I know we got to get out of here. Um, again, Matt Williamson, guys, make sure to check him out. Uh, again, can you drop the podcast in the Twitter for everybody? Absolutely. I'm part of the Locked On Network, sort of the flagship NFL one at Locked On NFL. We go around the league, and there'll be plenty of Rams talk. Um, certainly, please check me out on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. And please check out my website, WilliamsonFootball.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. We'll have you back as we get closer to those uh, training camp and to the season. We'll get some more insight, and uh, we'll yeah. always be peeking over there and see what's happening in Pittsburgh, see if your guys show up too. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right. Have a good one. Take care, you too.